Um, it has been a very interesting week for the world, if I do say so. Um, I can say personally for myself, it's been a very um, interesting two, three weeks. Um, there have been a lot of things that have happened in the last few weeks which have uh, set the world alight. A few weeks ago, we were panicking about Corona and um, if we would have enough groceries. And today, we are panicking about not being outside enough. Um, that was probably seen in a tweet at some point, so don't. I'm not gonna take credit for that one. But yeah, man. So, a lot of things have happened, and I'd like to talk about some of these things. Um, why? Because I personally feel like um, I personally feel like I've uh, gone through. I've gone through so many different emotions in the last few weeks that um I've got to the point where I've just realized that at this point I'm currently at stillness and so in a still state I feel it would probably be the best time to put my thoughts down um so in so first first I'm going to basically summarize my view of the world in the last few weeks when I say my view of the world I mean my I mean what what has been coming into my um what the issues that have been coming to my attention in the last few weeks um obviously based on who I follow on social media um my leanings politically what websites I check etc right so picture this uh march so picture this a few months ago everybody was inside worried about the coronavirus um people when even so many people had predicted the end of um the modern way of um life as we knew it so many people had been had had been had died in the process of um so many people had died from the coronavirus around the world and numbers were spiking at an alarming rate around march april um and even into may the numbers only started to drop significantly in june and even then the numbers were still high so naturally in my mind i was worried about my loved ones i was worried about um family members um myself worried about friends because obviously nobody wants to get a call and be told hey um this person's parent or this person's grandparent this per- this friend's relative has passed away nobody wants to make the call to tell people that their relative has passed away so it was a very tight and um very strenuous period for a lot of people, as I can imagine. Then, there was um, Beli Mujenga, who was spat at. She was a um, she was a black woman. Who was working in the TFL, I think it was in Victoria Station, um, during the lockdown. So she was an essential worker, and she was spat at by um, the only what we can describe as a racist. She was spat at by a very 
horrible human being who had uh, who had the coronavirus and she died a few uh, she and she died as a result of covid-19 so already being a black man and having a black mother, having a mother um cousins female friends so many female relatives it's like that was already hurting that was already making me feel like I wanted to blow things up. I was already making, not literally, of course, but I was already making me feel angry. Like, um, people are still doing this to us. Like, you know. And then, obviously, you remember that there was a lot of reports that black people were more likely to get corona. Not sorry. Black people in the USA and in, in England, to a large extent, minority groups were dying at a higher rate from coronavirus. And... Obviously, there were a list of reasons that were brought up. Some of those reasons included the black community in those in like the U.S. is more likely to live in like um, live below the poverty line, which in turn means that they're not able to afford things like uh, proper health care, or they're not able to afford to take care of themselves as well as they would. So, once again, this starts to you know this adds to building anger. It's like a snowball effect. Then, um, I'm for, I, I grew up in River State, Port Harcourt. Um, my, dad li- my dad still lives in um, River State. I remember when the coronavirus started to go in, get into Africa, there was a lot of panic that if the African continent was hit by this virus, it was going to, um, it was going to lead to catastrophic amounts of calamities. Like, um, so many, like, because obviously a lot of people felt that a lot of African countries due to historic reasons have not don't have the best infrastructure to deal with something as massive as this. That's how we felt. So naturally, um citizens called for lockdowns and the governments complied. And um but as you can imagine the governments in certain countries like Nigeria will always go too far. And specifically I remember a few weeks ago in Port Harcourt it was trending that, that there was a lockdown in Port Harcourt, you know, um, there was curfews. And so, um, we, on Twitter, then we, every, a lot of people received the news that the governor of, um, of River State had actually ordered a hotel to be destroyed because of they had broken curfew. I mean, they had broken lockdown rules. At the time, a lot of people were still feeling, like, angry that how can you suddenly ask people to lock down when you have never given them enough resources to be able to to afford to not be active and working. And that incident just piled up with with the general anger that people were feeling. And, and you know, my dad living there scared me because I also knew from him and other people telling me that the police were even, you know, the police were being reckless. There was even a point in which there were more people who had been shot and killed from lockdown violations than people who had actually died from corona at the time in Nigeria. So getting all this feedback, all this information, that naturally... um, I'm not saying all this information is always 100% accurate, but I'm just trying to paint a picture here. Fast forward to a few weeks ago, about two weeks ago, a video starts to circulate online, um, George Floyd... Rest, his, rest in peace to him. A video starts to circulate online showing this police officer in the United States um, kneeling on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes and a few seconds while bystanders recorded and screamed at the police and um, protested, basically begging them 
begging them to do something to get off him that he, you know and the, the saddest part about this video was that he was he was subdued already he was um he was handcuffed and he was on the floor he wasn't a threat and yet he was you know he was executed he was lynched and i, I remember waking up to see this because obviously um i'm like a lot of you a lot of people listening to this i don't like reading news because a lot of the time it's just negative upon negative you know so i try to avoid it as best as i can but there was no avoiding that there was no avoiding that almost felt like a hoax it was like oh god here we go again until you saw the video and um to this day i've never still never watched the whole thing it didn't make sense to me to watch a public execution. That's not my, you know, that's not my style. I don't, I don't get pleasure from things like that. I'm not saying other people did. I'm just saying that I wasn't going to sit, watch through that whole thing. But I saw enough, enough to like, enough to break my heart, like, enough to make me feel like, I really, enough to make me feel like, there was, you know, like there was so much naivety that that. I had always had about situations like this. I mean, I don't know how other people who saw that video felt, but that that it enraged me. Like it, that video combined with all the other things that had been um, slowly piling up in my mind, it it made me rage. It made me angry. Um, mostly made me sad because I'm in I'm in the UK. Like, what am I gonna do? Fly to America and march? Like. I don't have a history of civil rights protests. I don't have a history of any of that. Heck, I can tell you that I haven't had so many bad encounters with 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 um um. Mummy. All right. Yeah, come in quickly, please. No, 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 don't just come in. I'm I'm in the middle of my recording. I don't know how a lot of you who are watching that video felt, but I know that. That's not something that anybody ever, ever wants to have to see in their lives. I don't know how a lot of people who were watching, who watched that video felt, but I know that if you had a heart, you definitely felt pain. In fact, I've never seen so many, I've never seen people so um, united in one point of view in my life. Like, something shocking happened that I'd never seen before in a long time. Even the people on the right, who we would consider on the right... Um, people who would consider Republicans, consider um, conservatives, consider to generally believe that there's no such thing as white privilege, as um, as white supremacy and so on. They saw that and even they couldn't come up with an excuse good enough. I mean, Rush Limbaugh, one of the biggest Republican right-wing commentators on Fox News, came on The Breakfast Club to say, look... I'm not going to front what I saw, what I saw. No human being should ever go through that. I'm already upset with this, going through the motions. And then I get, I I start seeing another trend on social media. I look into this trend and it, it turns out this 22-year-old university student in Nigeria, um, her name was Uwavera Omozuwa. She was raped in a church, left for dead. Do you know how fucked up that was? Do you know how fucked up that is? Amidst all this craziness, they hear that. So that had me pissed off as well. That had me angry. And then there was a 16-year-old high school student 
called Tina Ezekwe, who was shot and killed after police opened fire at a bus stop in Lagos. So you can imagine a swirl of these incidents just in somebody's mind. Constantly just telling me you need to do something, but what can you do? You need to do something, but what can you do? You need to do something, but what can you do? Do I post about the rape? Do I post about the killing in Nigeria? Do I post about George Floyd? Do I post? And I'm so sure a lot of you felt a lot of these, these feelings I'm describing this week. And I know that because I've never seen an outpouring of emotion and just reaction on social media from everybody. And I mean everybody, not literally everybody, but you get what I mean, but you get my picture. So I bet a lot of people are wondering, so what, Noah? All these things you felt, so what? Matter of fact, I'm wondering the same thing. I just want to try and make sense of how I feel and how I felt this week. Um, Because I feel like if my experience resonates with anybody, anybody's experience, then you can at least have some solidarity in knowing that you know we're not alone in feeling the heaviness of the last few weeks. The truth is the system that we live in has a problem. And you can't fix problems you don't acknowledge. This week was a stark reminder of that. There was a reminder to a lot of people who for a long time had tried to live in denial. So I feel like I personally this week experienced a severe case of a cognitive dissonance. And what is a cognitive dissonance? Well, I basically explain, like, from my understanding is the feeling of having your mind split into multiple parts at the same time. Because that's how truly I felt this week. On one hand, I was enraged. On one hand, I was I was feeling guilty. Why was I feeling guilty? I was feeling guilty because, oh, no, I was talking about black stuff too much again. You know when something feels like it's just you feeling it and you talking about it is disturbing other people at first that's how i felt at the start of the week and then i started to get mad at myself why you feel like this and then i started to get mad at the people who i thought were making me feel like that i don't know if those people intentionally were making me feel like that I don't know why I was making myself feel like that. But one thing I did know was, at some point it felt like, fuck this silence, man. It felt like, fuck this silence. And if anybody is truly, if anybody is really and truly deciding to be silent right now, then fuck them too. And that's how I felt the whole week. I said to have flashbacks about situations and moments and incidents that I had experienced in the past, whether my friends telling me about stories they had experienced in the hands of the police reading this police brutality issues on the news but more importantly a lot of stories of white people being in denial about the racism that people are still experiencing today and i didn't know how to feel about that because i have white friends and sometimes you know you believe you know people some you know you naturally believe you know the hearts of others so your natural instinct is to go with love and i'll be honest with you I'll be honest with you, Lil Wayne, um, I'm randomly just saying Lil Wayne's name, wow. Um, I say Lil Wayne's name because Lil Wayne was kind of defending the police and a lot of people weren't happy with that. But the truth is, I kind of see where he was coming from. Because for me personally, I've, in interacting with, in going to University of Nottingham, going to SOAS, I've 
I've got to meet a lot of people. And in those in, in a lot of moments we've hung out, in a lot of moments you know, we've shared the truth is there have been moments where people have done or said things that could trigger you, things that could bring back memories that of bad moments in the past that or even discussions, denials that a lot of us just get used to taking for granted. We just assume, all right, cool, this is what you need to do to fit in. And even to a large extent, I'm not saying that the people, a lot of the people who I've met in my life were the ones who intent, they were intentionally trying to make people feel out of place. But the truth is, there's so many of you listening to this right now who have said, why you always go and make it about race? It was not race. It was just an isolated incident. And I know so many people don't intentionally do that. It's an awkward conversation, isn't it? It's a very awkward conversation. Who wants to be told that they're who wants to be told that they're wrong? Who wants to be told that their worldview is completely flipped upside down and they've been put in a bubble which allows them to have a privilege where others don't have access to while being deceived into believing that that privilege doesn't exist. And honestly, the truth of the matter is, there are so many police officers who are good. There are so many police officers who whose videos haven't come up online because they just do their jobs the right way. However, this week it became very clear to a lot of people, including myself, that you can't just always say there's a few bad apples. Why are the good apples not making it extra hard for the bad apples to even exist? Why were those three other officers surrounding their colleague not going out of their way to make sure that their colleague understood that he was killing that man? Instead, choosing to comply with their code. So how then will you tell me that because they didn't, in, they didn't directly put their neck on George Floyd, th- their knees on George Floyd's neck, that that absolves them of, this, of the sin and the crime? That's not acceptable. It's not acceptable for us to make excuses it's not acceptable for other people when they make excuses that these issues don't exist. On the on the second, but on the other side, this week taught me that in a lot of ways we we underest we in a lot of ways we have allies. We have people in large numbers who believe us, who believe well, who believe a black person when they say that it's not equal. Who believe us when we say that we have we have to go through more skepticism and scrutiny in the hands of the police in the hands of the government in the hands of the, the in the hands of corporations in the creative industry and i respect and salute you people who this week showed out and showed who you really are when i went to the protests on on tuesday i had no intention of going there um, i didn't even know protests were happening and i'd never gone to one Usually I'll be a bit scared, like, what if the police break through and um, yada, 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 get in trouble, all that stuff. But after a week of just crying and feeling miserable, feeling sad, reading through posts online constantly, time and time again, I felt enough was enough. And you know what? Fuck it. For once, I was going to get up and go out there and do and do what I could. Because what else was I going to What else could I do? So I went to the protest. And at those protests, I saw so many people of different colors, different races, different creeds, all marching in one voice, all saying, fuck Boris Johnson in one voice, all saying, say his name, say her name in one voice. 
and honestly it was it was it was like going it was it was this is how it felt it felt like there was such a heavy burden on my heart right and it felt like when i got to that place to hyde park by the time i had marched to through victoria to westminster it genuinely felt like the crowd in a weird weird way had had absorbed each other's pain and so that so as to make it lighter on on the other person there were so many white people asian people black people people of all different ages there to march in absolute peaceful protest john boyega was there leading the lines being a complete being a complete leader and showing a lot of people in the hollywood and entertainment industry how they should move and that 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 was the second half of the dissonance because for me that part was important it was like seeing all these people on one hand i might be angry on one hand i might be pissed off at your ancestors on one hand i might be really pissed off at all the injustices that people that look like you have done to people that look like me historically but on the other hand there you were when people were calling hand in hand with 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 my brothers and my sisters and we were all doing it in one unique voice so i respect that and that gave me a lot of hope that gave me a lot of hope so another thing that was happening a lot on social media this week um was naturally there was a blackout social media blackout on tuesday oh sorry the protests were on wednesday sorry the protests were on wednesday there was a social media blackout on tuesday there was um a lot of posts being shared about accountability, white people holding, taking accountability, white people learning to understand that black people are not just saying things and we're actually going through a lot of pain and just trying to educate people. And the truth is, I know we all felt sensory overload because I definitely was overwhelmed. Posting so many things, watching so many stories, seeing so many people share their personal experiences with the police, with um, with, with races, was it's too much for you. And then seeing all the posts saying, okay, you need to educate the white people, you need to educate the white people, but it's not our duty to educate the white people. So now I'm feeling, okay, cool, it's not my duty to educate anyone. I'm going through a lot of pain right now. Let me do my thing. But then it was, But then suddenly it was like, but you need to educate them. Having white friends hit you up and being like, yo, bro, please educate me. What should I be reading? What should I be doing? What should I be studying? I don't know. Because I didn't even know what I should be reading and I should be studying. I didn't know how to feel about my pain and my, my, the, the way I was feeling about this. I'm 25 years old. I saw a black man of 40-something years old get lynched on the floor. I don't know how I was feeling. All the stuff happening in my world was a lot. And then there was the flip side. Silence is violence. Seeing that quote, I believe in that quote. But the problem with that quote, as much as I love that quote, is silence is not always necessarily because people want to harm us. Sometimes silence is what you need when there's nothing else to say. I mean, what do you really say to somebody who is grieving? What do you say to somebody who is in pain that you can't see? Hey man, I see your pain. No. Usually when somebody you know in your real life is in pain, is going through a breakup, a loss, you try to be there for them, right? But people will always people will always be there for, uh, react to these things in the way that on they best understand. 
And for a lot of people, it was to be silent and just listen and read. Just listen and watch. Just listen and understand what was going on. And to that end, silence wasn't necessarily violence. Because I knew for fact I didn't know what to tell others. So I don't know how others would know what to tell me. And I'm not going to lie. At various points, I perceived that silence as honestly violence. And I flipped out a few times. I was upset. Now, a lot of people have asked me, so what now? So what do we do? How do all these people who want to take account of, of, of what's happened, how, do they, how should they act? How should they feel? I have, a simple, I have a simple belief. And that belief is that the way I said it in the last episode, if black people, if people, minority people, if people who have suffered historically feel pain, still feel pain and fear and still have long memories and effects of that suffering in their lives, then the people whose ancestors inflicted that suffering will definitely have pain and guilt in their hearts. And that was something that I never thought about till this week. I saw a lot of people being defensive. I saw a lot of people wanting to hide. I saw a lot of people wanting to be like, oh no, they're attacking us. We're not doing anything wrong. But honestly, nobody can really truly understand or heal or move past this pain that everybody feels if people are not willing to just just let go. Just let go of your... If people are not willing to just let go of, 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 of that that desire to be right, that desire to be proven right, all lives matter. The only way we can make progress is if we genuinely just put the guard down and just talk about these things. I'm honest with you, I don't know how to have these conversations. I'm going to read you a post that a friend of mine posted on Instagram. Because during this week, a lot of black people and white people were posting experiences um, which were posting their experiences showing a lot of things they had gone through, whether, you know, showing their privileged experiences they had gone through, and black people showing the lack of, of care and, and the, 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 the hardship they had gone through in, in different situations. So I'm going to read to you something written by a good friend of mine. A few years ago, I was pulled aside for a search in an airport while abroad. After a thorough search of myself and my belongings, I was taken to a holding cell, relieved of my phone and passport, and told that traces of drugs had been found in my bag and on my clothes, and that I was going to be arrested on suspicion of trafficking. I begged to speak to the customs officer's superior, who I then had to plead with for my freedom, before ultimately being let off with a warning. At the time... I and my naive and privileged ego told myself it had been my own persuasiveness that got me out of that situation. But looking back, that funny story I like to tell could, and almost certainly would, have ended very differently had it not been for the colour of my skin. My privilege saw me walk free while simultaneously preserving the reality I had created for myself, in which I had earned that freedom through my own actions. Racism isn't always in your face. It's woven insidiously into everyday interactions. Maybe you were able to run through a crowded station when you were late for a train without arousing suspicion. 
Maybe your few drinks down the park with your mates was seen as harmless, fun rather than antisocial behaviour. Maybe you've never noticed a nervous gaze from a shopkeeper or had the way you style your hair scrutinised in the workplace. I'm writing this because I know it's hard to be told you've been given an advantage in life that you never earned. It doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't work hard or categorically don't deserve anything you have achieved, but you have to realise it's there, and if you don't think that racism is a present and oppressive force pervading our everyday lives, understand that this is because you are not the one experiencing it. But through structures built up over hundreds of years, you benefit from it just like me, and we have a responsibility to help redress these age-old injustices. If you value your freedom, you should fight for the rights of others, for we can never truly be free until we are equal. How in 2020 can it be controversial to declare the Black Lives Matter? That's not a very high bar. Not matter the most, or matter more than you, just matter. Because if something really matters to you, and it's in danger, you focus your attention and resources on it, And you solve the problem. You don't sit around ignoring it because other things matter as well. Let's stand up and do better. That was Matt Stodd. His Instagram, if you'd like to follow the brother, is M-A-T-T-S-T-U-D-D. Seeing all the people at at that protest on Wednesday brought something, brought back a memory that I had kind of forgotten about. But I guess in this type of period just to let you guys understand that we truly do have allies i'll share i'll share a story with you um so i went to the university of nottingham and if anybody listening has ever been to the university of nottingham you probably know that nottingham is uh, mostly full of uh, middle class what you would consider middle class uh, some would consider posh white kids probably 60 65 percent in the whole of in the halls of residence i stayed um, there were four black people, maybe four or five black people. Um, everybody else was white, and there were maybe like 13 Asians. It was like 200 white people. I'm not going to lie. From the, first day I've, from the first day I ever walked in there, I tried to walk in there with an open mind, but that had been the first time in my life I'd been, in, I'd been around so many white people. I felt, I felt stressed. I felt looked at. I felt, you know, like, I'm not even going to lie to you. The first day I ever went to Nottingham, one of the first thoughts I had was, I bet, I wonder which one of these people has called me the N-word in their head already. This wasn't necessarily a reflection of the people I had met. This was more of a reflection of how I felt based on what I'd read, based on what I'd watched, based on what I'd seen in history, in my life, and on TV and stuff, how I felt white people behave. I remember in second year of university, um, due to some personal issues, it became very apparent to me that, um, it became very clear to me that I would need to pay for my school fees, for my university fees by myself. So yeah, it was £9,000. Where the the fuck was I going to get £9,000 from? I remember at the time, I was spending so many days in my room, like, miserable. Like, honestly speaking, um, 
it wasn't until that point that I finally started believing men, um, depression and anxiety and mental health issues exist. Because up until that point, I had never personally, I'd felt anxiety, I'd felt depressed, I'd felt very, very strong feelings of fear. But I never truly understood, I just thought they were normal things, right? Sitting there looking at the reality that, yo, I might have to move back to London and um, just wait till a couple years and then go back to university. That was very embarrassing for me. That, you know, I'm a, I'm a proud black man. So for me, that was embarrassing. That was painful. So instead, I sat in my room and I just cried. I just cried. I just cried. I cried for so long. I remember at the time I lived with seven people. It was, no, eight people. It was a big house. Um, we did two legendary house parties in that house. Um, but at the time it was like two Asians. Both of them could be considered to be middle class because they, for me personally, I'd consider them middle class British because they had very strong British accents. One of them lived in Surrey. And the rest of the house was white. I didn't know these people that well. I mean, how much do you know people in a year? But on that day, I remember somebody came to knock on my door. And he said, hey man, we've all been talking. And we've all decided to contribute our savings to help pay for your fees. I think you heard me right. I know you're listening to this right now thinking, what the fuck? Yeah, 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 I know, I know. It's not, I, I was shocked as well. I'm not going to lie. These guys helped me survive. With the help of my girlfriend at the time, her housemates who were also all white. These people showed up for me. And plus my hard work and my family's hard work, somehow I was able to pay the entire duration of my fees. Of course, I paid them back the money. But it was the fact that people were willing to raise a pretty scary amount of money that even the bank wouldn't give you just on the whim that this kid was working hard and he deserved he deserved the chance to finish up that is recognizing privilege i guess i've just told this story because honestly things might be really hard for a lot of us right now and so many of us black people young old we're feeling a lot of pain we're feeling a lot of pressure we're feeling Everything is coming down on us at the exact same time. And we don't know what to do. Sometimes we don't know who to trust. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I think it was Joe Budden, actually. It's my guy. And Joe Budden said, you have to be very careful to not alienate your allies in times of pain. Because these people are genuinely there and they want to help. So I encourage everybody who is listening to this, Find time to just teach yourself more, to educate yourself more about the suffering of others in this world, from any part of the world. And as you educate yourself about these things, do what you can to improve it. Do what you can. Because really and truly, I know you're, I know you're tired of this. This has been another episode of Iron Voices. Thank you. <music>